Okay, we're live. We're back again. Uh, Matt Higgins uh, with the Manifestor Mindset. And I have a, a great guest with me today I'm excited to have. It's Patrick Schwarzenegger. And I'm almost afraid to introduce you because I don't want to pigeonhole you, which is part of why I really wanted to have you on. You've done so many things. I'll just everyone knows that you're an actor and you're a model and you have much better hair than I do. But that's actually <laughs> that's only one small fragment of your life. I've been watching you during the apocalypse um, kind of switch from one day talking about bone marrow and cherry ice cream. Check it out, by the way, uh, today on your Instagram feed. And then another day just talking about words and the power of words. Um, you just have a you know, really interesting career. And I know from our conversations that you're you're really interested in um, entrepreneurial spirit and cultivating it with your generation. So lots to talk about, but yes. maybe just start with, you know, uh, your principal career at the moment. What's, what's going on in your life and what's, what's, uh, what's LA been like? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to define myself as a, uh, as an entrepreneur an investor um, advisor, but I think that it's, you know, business is something that I've always been extremely interested in. It's something I've been involved with since I was a, uh, a little kid, even with lemonade stands, and then going and running my, you know, dad's memorabilia, to then investing into multiple companies. But um, kind of the main thing that I'm focusing on these days is really helping young entrepreneurs. I mean, I have my own advisory consulting firm called Achilles Advisors, which has about 16 companies underneath that. By the and way, fantastic name, Achilles yeah, Advisors. Thank you. Um, but essentially, what I'm what I'm doing is just I'm I'm trying to be a, a helping hand to young entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs in age and expertise, um, in their business cycle. But you know, we inject capital, go on and and help them kind of get from A to B. And I think that the reason why I love to do that is because my parents were really instrumental in helping me and my um, to where I am today um, with investing in my first businesses and creating my first businesses and everything like that from being mentors to helping me with capital, with um, everything. So I, I realized how much a helping hand can really um, go. So I kind of wanted to pay that back towards other people, find ways to impact them and, and bring kind of our connections and our expertise to, um, to their business. So take me back in time for a second, right? You've had so many extraordinary influences on in your life, your political heritage and your acting heritage. You know, where did you, when did you first get the entrepreneurial bug? I know you launched a brand uh, when you were 15, but when, when did you first get the glimmer? Yeah, I, I honestly think it was the lemonade stands. Like I was obsessed with lemonade stands and my dad would, um, and my mom got me this little, um, like those toy cars when you're younger that you sit in. And they got me like a mini mini truck one, and I would put my table in the back of it, and I'd put my bring my crystal light powders, and then the big water jugs, and and then my dad would teach me, okay, this is how much the crystal light powder is, okay, this is how much the lemons are, this is the sugar, this is how much you're putting in the water. That means you need to mark it up fifty percent to then you sell that, and that's your profit and what a revenue is, and and the whole kind of thing. And I think I just fell in love with with the idea of it then. And, um, and then it always just kind of kept going. And then, um, you know, it grew to, he put me in charge of his memorabilia when I was 10. Um, and he let me do anything. Yeah, what's it like to report to your dad at 10 years old? I, don't, I, I, I picture it being intimidating, but maybe, maybe it, not. No, it was great because he was like, look, I have these, you know, this memorabilia and meaning like, you know, photos of himself or, uh, weights or, you know, posters that were signed, whatever. And he was like, if you have if you can find ways to sell it and, uh, you know, do whatever you want to do with them, I'll, I'll sign posters, I'll sign pictures and you sell it. 
we'll raise a bunch of money for charity and you'll in turn learn about business. So I started doing it. And, and I remember this one year I started raising six figures. I mean, and for, for a 13, How old you, 10, 13? Wow. yeah, 11, 12, 13, I would do it every year. And I started to get to six figures and I was like in heaven as a kid. Um, one, one, because I was raising money for charity, but two, I was seeing how much money I could, I could generate. And then learning about business, doing it firsthand was the best way to learn. And then, um, and then I started my first company when I was yeah 15 and then I sold that off in high school. And then, um, I got some of those profits. And then in addition to that, with a loan from my parents, uh, I invested in a company that was starting out called blaze pizza. And um, I was good timing, I would think. Yeah, he was on Blaze. You and you and you and LeBron, right? Is that uh... yeah? LeBron LeBron came in, and that was um, I was interning for a guy named John Davis, and he had just exited a company called Wetzel's Pretzels. Mm -hmm. And the owner of Wetzel's Pretzels, Rick Wetzel, uh, was like, you know what? There's the Chipotle craze is getting huge. Subway's dominating. Let's do the same thing, but with pizza. And I was like, I'm in. I love that. Um, so I invested in that and we opened the first store and then I opened a store at, um, at the Grove and then I went to USC and I opened a store and now we have 300 and whatever, 60 stores. So it's, um, it was kind of, how many franchises do you, do you have, or your group have? Do you? I have two, I have two. Okay. Um, and do you, you enjoy it? as somebody who has multiple pizza concepts, I got crap by the way, for promoting blaze on the fish way. that's how much I was excited to have you. But at the folks at M pizza said, what are you even mentioning the word blaze? But, um, like, so I, I, you, I, I want to talk to you about the joy and the pain of running, you know, a fast casual. Well, look, I think that, you know, when anyone that's out there, that's watching, that's involved with business or restaurants or brick and mortar right now knows it's a, it's a struggle, right? I mean, it's a, uh, the main goal of, of, you know, what we want to do right now is how do we keep the doors open so that the employees can stay on, right? It's not about making a dollar. And if you lose a dollar, that's fine. It's how do we keep the employees on? However, you know, before Corona and COVID-19, franchises have its, uh, its headaches, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, but it's, it's, again, it was the best way to learn, uh, operations management and everything like that. I mean, you know, one week you can be up 7%, 10% the next week, just because you order too much food or our USC location, USC has an away game. You have to prepare for that and have less workers and less, you know, cheese and sauce and this thing and that thing. And it's, it's, um, it's really interesting to, to uh, to see a margins on a uh, on a franchise just get withered away real fast. Right. Well, that's what I sort of enjoy about. I'm sure you feel the same way. Like it's it's uh, the complexity of it becomes its own mode, sort of right. Like it's not the kind of thing you could just jump in and put on auto autopilot because any week everything changes. And in the best case, you're operating at a 20% four wall margin, right? And then once the little thing changes and everything you know goes, but for some reason I'm just drawn to it because it's there's a degree of artistry in presenting food, right? You meet these these characters like a Christina Tosi is my partner, right? And mm. it's not just about food; it's just it's about scaling her passion, and then the complexity store by store and things changing, and then you're, you're euphoric, and then the next day you're despondent because something changed. But it's unlike it's not like investing in Snapchat, you know, where you kind of close your eyes and hope that it scales and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, to IPO. It's, it's fun. The, I would say the best thing that's come of it, you know, besides a very successful company and making money and everything is, is the ability to utilize the stores in other ways. And what I mean by that is 
from the success of Blaze, the amount of companies and young entrepreneurs and stuff that have come and, and pitched me products, and I've got to use Blaze as kind of a, a sampling process or to get kind of A-B testing from customers, what they like or didn't like of the um, products is something that has been, uh, you know, monstrous for my kind of business portfolio. So, so do you ever, I want to, I've read a little bit about your philosophy around, you know, scale and goal setting. So I just want to go back. I'm curious, you know, do you ever feel that pressure to sort of be in any box? Cause you have all these skills, you know, being an actor, being a model, being a business person, you know, the political, you're, I know you're interested in politics too. Do you ever feel that? And how do you choose no. how to take your time? I'll tell you, I, I, I don't, but it's funny because everybody always recommends that I do. Uh, by the way, I totally agree with you. Resist the impulse to, you know, it's, to it's to interesting yourself. because some people will say, especially in the last year, as I've gotten more out there with my business stuff and I've helped more people and there's been more kind of PR on it or whatever, people have always said, you know, it, it, it just doesn't make sense, man. You're, you're one day you're doing a film, the next day you're in a Calvin Klein campaign and the next day you're trying to invest in the companies. It, it, you can't you can't do all three and I'm like the, 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 yes you can the beautiful thing about America and about life is that you can you can really do whatever it is that you want to do and, and I think that my dad always kind of told me that and he was like you don't understand how many people would tell me that you're a bodybuilder and now you want to be an actor and wait now you want to try to become a politician it makes no sense and he just always said like you know, say no to the naysayers. Just don't, you know, exactly know where it is that you want to go. Don't let anyone divert you from that path. And and it doesn't matter if they don't, you know, add up together. It's it add up. It adds up in your own mind. So, I'm um, I'm a big believer of do whatever it is that you want. That you don't need to have this whole strategy of just staying in the film world and and you can't do a crossover. You know, I think you've seen a lot of people in the last few years that have had crossovers into totally separate industries. So to answer the question, I would say, um, no, I don't try to box myself in, but. You know. I would say that I was one of my strong feelings is like never let anybody put your, put you in a box. And I find it's actually not others who put you in a box. It's you, you put yourself in a box. So some of this, this conventional wisdom that we are all some narrative that needs to be packaged and then presented to the universe. And the funny thing about the world is if you orient yourself to the, your mental energy to what others think, what you unfortunately find out at the end of the journey is nobody really cared, right? right. So they, they weren't keeping score about how consistent. I struggle with that too, because I was in politics and I worked at the rebuilding and then I was a journalist and then I ran the jets and the business and on and on and on. And somebody said, well, well like, what are you? I said, I don't know, you tell me what I am. I don't, I'm not overly concerned with what I am at the moment. I'm building yeah. companies. One day I'll probably be devoting all my energy to human rights. And so I always deserve the right. But my message to young people is always like, that's, that's, that's a, an outdated logic. And it's also a recipe for a very unhappy life. That's different than being intentional. I'm sure, you, and I don't want to talk about that with you. It's different. Being open-minded to opportunity is different than being intentional with your time so that you succeed as you pursue in different directions. I want to talk right. about your whiteboard by your bed. Is that really true? Is that a mythology about your yeah. goals that you keep? No, I don't, I don't have my phone with me or else I would pull up a, a photo. But yeah, I keep, um, I have my 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020 goals on my, uh, on my bedroom. Just massive, big whiteboards of my goals, kind of my, my kind of different quotes on there that I, that I want to kind of stick by 
on the year. And then I, I kind of break them down into personal development goals, financial goal, occupational goal, and then kind of physical family and faith goals. Um, but I'm a massive, massive, massive goals uh, person. And um, in fact, I, I hosted a whole goals session this year um, at our office with uh, about 100 people that came free just just to help people kind of do their goals because it always shocks me how often I hear people say that they have goals, but they can't articulate them or they don't have them written down or they're embarrassed by them or anything like that. So I'm a big believer in writing down your goals, putting them in front of your, your, uh, you know, bed or somewhere that you can, you know, your fridge or your front door, wherever that you can kind of see them each and every day um, to remind yourself, okay, this is today. How can I utilize today to get, you know, a little bit closer towards accomplishing my goals. And one of the things I tell people is when you, when you have goals and you write them down, you're, 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 you're letting your subconscious acknowledge that you're not where you want to be. And when I say you're not where you want to be, it's not that you're not happy today. You know, I'm, I'm filled with joy. I love where I am today, but it's showing that I think I'm capable of doing a lot more this week, this month, this year. And it, it shows myself of where I want to get to. Mm -hmm. And um, I start to, you know, when I started to actually write down the goals and really acknowledge them and to tell other people when I spoke it out, it was almost like speaking it out to an, into existence. Like, you know, the, the famous line of asking you shall receive. And it sounds so corny, but the more I would say it to people and, and then kind of hold myself responsible to them, I, the more I wanted to go out and conquer those goals. Hmm, I love that. I, I always say I, every time I, I, I achieve a new summit in life, like even after Shark Tank, you know, this feeling when you achieve something that you worked so hard at that you were so anxious about, you were thought you couldn't pull it off. You pull it off and then your serotonin levels plummet. Yeah, and, like you finish the marathon and you say, and I, I believe that most of the joy in life is truly about living in a perpetual state of growth. And so I ask myself every time I go to a new summit, what can I do now that I couldn't do yesterday that brings me closer to what I want to do tomorrow? And I remember I had a two week period at post Shark Tank, like, well, that was a little bit of a letdown. What do I do now? And then it occurred to me, I always wanted to be a professor. And I was mm -hmm. like, what if I could teach at the number one institution, you know, in the country, arguably Harvard Business School. And then I spent a year trying to sort of achieve it. So people will say to me, that sounds very stressful. And I said, it's actually not stressful. It's joyful. It's not that I'm not content because I don't know about you, but I always like to define what I need very narrowly mm -hmm. so that, that I'm playing with the house's money. I have my wife, you know, you met Sarah before, I have my, my, my kids, I have a roof in my head. I grew up with dirt. If I return to dirt, that's fine. But that always enables me to play with a free hand. So I argue that's to find this joy about unlocking your full potential. And you'll never really know unless you live in that kind of growth mindset. Yeah. But I don't write my goal. I think, I you think do. that sounds a little stressful. <laughs> one of the things that, that happens with people and when I talk to them about making their goals is they kind of have that feeling that you, that you talked about. Uh, you make it to Shark Tank. You get all this, this feeling. It's so high. And then the next day you're like, or even that same day or whatever, you're kind of looking around like, okay, for what's, what's next. And you don't really get to sulk in the moment and enjoy it. And I, I feel that that happens to a lot of people when they don't have the kind of why associated with that goal. Why mm -hmm. is it that they want to get to Shark Tank? Is that because they want to be, you know, grow their platform so that they, they actually can go and be that professor or why do they want to get that, that, you know, that wage increase at their job or become the CEO or get the, and when people have the why associated with their goals, 
that's when it then it really brings the true uh, happiness, I feel. I totally agree. And I have another principle I was talking about is it's important that once you achieve that, that reach, you know, that milestone that was right out of the, in the distance, that you consolidate your gains and you spend a minute to say, what did it mean? You know, and also to lock in so that you're not sort of frenetically moving all over the place. Sometimes I'll beat myself up, like, especially with weight going up and down. I'm horrendous, you know, yo-yo dieter. But then I'll say, I try to take a step back and say, let me consolidate my gains. I achieved something new that matters to me. How do I put that more on autopilot so it doesn't take the same energy the second time around? But let me continue to move forward. So I've gotten better at sort of taking a beat and looking around and trying to automate things more so that I don't look backwards and sort of things slip away that I really cared about. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So let's talk a little bit about your passion. First of all, you're very empathetic. I want to talk about that a bit. Like you, you're, you know, I could, you could just feel it in, in your communication. Everything about you just has a sensitivity and an honesty and a tenderness to you. Like, what moves you about the entrepreneurial spirit? Like, why, why are you putting your time and energy into that area? I, I think it goes back to the idea of just, you know, I'm in a very fortunate situation. Um, I have great parents. I have a great family. Um, they've helped me accomplish a lot of my dreams. And I mean, I have tons of more dreams that I want to go and accomplish, but you know, my dad always said like, he's not a, a self-made man and that the people along his journey in his life, the people that kind of reached out and bought his plane ticket to, to come to America or gave him the ability to live on his couch or anything like that. were all such you know instruments in getting him to where he is today and, and that how much of an impact it can be when you reach out and help someone so you know they've helped me and i just kind of always wanted to go out and help other people and to actually watch a company grow i mean you must know this more than anyone it's like there's no, there's nothing better to watch than some someone have a dream idea you get to come in and help them grow that and to watch it actually flourish and get to the point of an actual store being opened or their product being in the, you know, stop and shop or, or Wegmans or whatever, or, um, you know, whatever that is, it's like, it's, 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 it's really fulfilling for me, the feeling to, to help them and to grow their dreams and make their dreams come true. It's like that kind of makes my dreams come true. It's like, like it's like watching the human condition play out front, right? Like that up close and you see somebody that almost has the full complement to go the distance, but they're missing something that yeah. maybe you play a small role in supplying it. That's what I would say. People are like, what do you do? I said, I think I try to identify the missing ingredient and I supply it, hopefully in an egoless way that I then can step back and marvel at how great you are. I always look for opportunities to submit to other people's greatness, like Gary Vaynerchuk. I identified Gary. I identify. It's very self-aggrandizing. I had a bagel with him and, he, and I became his first client in 2009. But I always say what I love about Gary is that I get to submit to his greatness. I can't be him. You know, like he is just a force of nature, but to play a small, tiny role in maybe unlocking something and right. do that scale to me, that that's what that's what investing done the right way is really about. And it sounds like well, that's what motivates you. With all yeah, this no, hundred percent. And it's just it's it's such a uh, a blessing to kind of watch. It's like it's like kind of watching a house get constructed from the the bones up and, and watching the end product. It's like it's. Uh, it's really, really fulfilling. So I guess that's kind of what drives me in my in the entrepreneurial um, space. So what was on? So let's talk pre-COVID. It's you know I guess your board. Uh, let's just pick March one. What was on the board March one versus what was on the board March fifteenth in terms of goals and aspirations this year? Yeah. So everything everything shifted. 
Um, and, and by the way, this is why I, I stress so much of having kind of your mission statement and your goals as a person, because when you're kind of thrown into a totally different scenario like Corona or COVID, it was easier for me to adjust of going back to what was it that I wanted to accomplish this year? What was at the title of it? And that was to help kind of young entrepreneurs and, and find ways to, to help other people um, with business and stuff. So I, I was planning, which I had messaged to you originally, was like this big on, young entrepreneurs uh, event where I was calling it Rookie in the Vet. And I had a bunch of business veterans come in and speak to these uh, young entrepreneurs, the rookies, and teach them about mindset and business and motivation and, and different tips and tools. And I had, I had the whole entire event set up. I had paid for the location. I had all the different business veterans coming in for May, the first week of May, um, and everything changed. So then I was stuck at home the first week and I thought, okay, you know what? There's no way the event's happening. What can I do from home to continue to highlight different individuals that are in the business community or into different communities and, and help bring that information to the young entrepreneurs that I'm still trying to target. And so I, I started to do a, um, a daily Instagram each and every day where I would talk to someone and I've done from, uh, we got to get you on there, but we've done, you know, Marcus Jonas to Ed Milet to Guy Fury, Bethany Frankel, um, you know, tons and tons and tons of different people have done 40 people now. Um, and it's, um, you know, and, and right now more than ever, people are looking for that information because they're struggling. I mean, small businesses are struggling. Medium-sized businesses are struggling. Entrepreneurs that have that dream idea are struggling. They're all looking to people like yourself for that information and for those tips and tools and advice of how are you navigating through this kind of economic storm and, and societal storm right now. And, and so using my platform as a medium to bring that information to people is, is uh, right on par with what I wanted to do. It's just doing it from, from home. No, you're doing a great job. I love the content that you're putting out. So you're communicating and sort of giving yourself out. What do you think the world looks like when we all return to normal? Do you think has your outlook changed and your energy you think changed? Um, it's going to be, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a slow rollout again. You know, I think that it's not like, um, you know, a light switch. You just flip it, on, flip it on and off. You know, I think it's more like, you know, someone said it as a, as a dimmer where it's just slowly going up. Um, you know, I, I really don't know what it's going to go back to. Um, events and, and everything that has like big gatherings will be, you know, I, I don't know, even if they allow it, I just don't know what the consumer is going to be wanting to do. You know, you have to think about that. It's like, it's, you know, I was talking to Wolfgang um, Puck the other day and he was like, look, Patrick, if, if the government allows me to open our restaurants back up, and I go back to my my full uh, paying all of my staff and my overhead and everything, you know, I'm worried that the consumers aren't going to want to sit at a table next to someone else, that I'm going to have to spread everyone out every six feet or every six tables. And then in turn, you know, I have a, I have a 50 percent less capacity at, at what I'm able to bring in. And then at well, that, that case, really tough about restaurants, it's like it's not easy to just you have a fixed overhead with your rent. You yeah. have it's not easy to scale up and down your labor. Your food costs are the same. So if 20% of the population stopped going to restaurants, you're dead, right? Like no restaurant is getting above a 20% profit margin. So everyone's, yeah. a, I find, I'm sure you find the same, we're a little bit paralyzed. Like what if, how am I going to reopen without assurance that the customer will be there? Yeah, so, exactly. And that's, that's going to be tough. And I think that, you know, restaurants, a lot of them have done a great job of switching to online ordering to different, um, you know, takeouts and they've been navigating it as best as they could. But 
you know, I, I really don't know where I see the economy going in the next few months. I think that that being said, you know, I've, I've done my fair research of what's happened in the 2008 and to other ones. And, and it really is a great opportunity in time for young entrepreneurs or for any entrepreneur in general of how do they utilize this time, see what the opportunity is, what do people really need right now and what can they go out and, and create? But I mean, there was, there's multiple public companies that have IPO'd in the last few years that started in 2008, 2009 post-recession. So, um, you know, are you, um, do you find yourself looking at deals right now or are you spending your energy on the, your existing investments? Um, both. I, I, I'm continuing to look at deals still, um, but I'm also being wary of keeping cash on the side for the companies that I'm already involved with because, I mean, this, Same. you know, if you're staying flat as a company, that's, that's growth right now. You know, I mean, if you're year over year, you're anywhere close to where you were, even like looking at Apple yesterday's earnings and stuff like that. It's like, that's great. And at some point they're going to need some cash to continue. Um, even if they just raised in the last, whatever, half a year or something like that, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm being a little bit cognizant of that, of where my companies are. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's what I've been telling people too. Like, uh, I feel as an investor, when you have a portfolio, like, you know, you do, you, most of your mental energy and emotional energy, physical energy should be devoted towards your existing investments. I'm sure these conversations you've had, the conversations I have, they're weighty, they're complicated, they're iterative, right? Because the world keeps changing every other day. So I try to allocate most of my bandwidth to what I have and then, you know, keep a little bit open for optimism, right? Like, yeah. Uh, when I get, like, especially get a DTC pitch, because I'm heavy in the DTC space, I'm right. direct to consumer. I enjoy seeing what the future might look like, and you know, especially those individuals have to be kind of scrappy, and that gives me a sense, like, okay, there's always light after dark, you know, and and uh, but mostly I'm keeping powder dry, just more less to be like wait for the best possible deal, more because I just doesn't feel right to put my energy there, you know. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think that, I mean, you're putting your energy here, which is still helping companies, helping right. people uh, in a tremendous way, just not in a financial way. Right. I mean, it's, it's, there's other ways to help people navigate through this, uh, this kind of darkness per se, without doing it in a financial way. And I think that's, that's what you're doing so well here on the manifestor mindset. And, and that's what I'm trying to do as well. Um, with my, you know, content and, or just continuing to, um, to talk with the, these different people. But um, like Wednesday, I, I hosted a thing for BevNet. I've done the last two weeks where they just do, you know, 10 companies get to come on and talk to me each for six minutes and I get to give advice and, you know, what they're going through right now and how's, how are ways to pivot or, um, you know, you know, what kind of a mindset, everything like that. So, I think that there's tons of ways to continue to help people without financially injecting capital. So I'm being a little abstract for a second because I'm curious, right? Because since you're so thoughtful, everything you do, especially if it's on a slightly adjacent field, you know what I mean? It's not mutual reinforcement. Investing is a very apart from acting, I would presume. Like, how do you allocate your bandwidth? What's the litmus test that you'll apply that makes it worth you getting involved in a new thing, whether it's a new investment specifically or just moving in the investment direction versus acting or modeling, like just how do you organize your, your time and energy? Yeah. So, so acting is like, uh, the best way to describe it is a, is a roller coaster. You're, you're, you're blindfolded going on a roller coaster. I mean, you don't know 
which months are going to be going up, which ones are going to be going down. You know, I guess that's like everything in life, but it's, you know, I could work every day for three months and I could not work every day for 12 months. You know, that's the thing about that, about film. That's so interesting. So I'm never fully counting on working in, in film. Mm. Um, and that's why I'm always like day to day. I'm always devoted towards kind of the business, the businesses that I'm part of. And when a film comes around or a cool project that's going to elevate my career or continue to grow my platform, um, then, you know, then I, I would love to do it. And, and I go and I allocate the time. But otherwise, it's it's too much of a of a emotional and a uh, occupational roller coaster to to devote 100 percent of my effort and time into that field. Um, do you it love it? Make... Do you love it? Like I, it? I, I, I love it. it. What is it? And I'll tell you what. When people say that acting has absolutely nothing to do with business, I actually tell them that's not true. And why I say that is acting is is it's so beautiful because you have the opportunity to put yourself. I mean, the goal of acting is to put yourself into someone else's shoes and to really try to understand how they think, how they eat, how they live, how they breathe, everything like that. Right. And, and what better opportunity than to utilize acting as a way for me to go and hop into someone else's shoes for that few minutes. I mean, I know it's not 100%, but to understand how they think as a different consumer, as a different person in middle America versus LA versus San Francisco versus, you know, my girlfriend's from Alabama and, and she has, she did, she didn't go to college. She's extremely successful, but has no, nothing with business. And whenever I ask her, her opinion on business, she's like, why do you ask me these, these things? I've, I don't know anything about business. And I was like, you know what you are is you're a consumer that's from Alabama. And that's a totally different consumer than Patrick from Los Angeles. You hmm. care something totally different about what the price point is than I do. You care about the calorie information differently than I do. You care about X, Y, and Z. And, and, and it's always so interesting to hop into someone else's shoes and, and get their perspective on a certain product or a certain company. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about acting that I get to do is really try to hop into someone else's shoes for a minute and see their uh, their point of view. I've never heard anybody say it like that, which is really smart, right? Because it's the most successful, I think, investors and entrepreneurs are actually empathetic. They're the yeah. ones who can understand the founder journey, either through experience or through just empathy. But I find that that of all things will make you the most successful. Like when I, I always say to a fat, to one of my partners, I like, look, if there's a train coming, we'll try to avoid it together. But if, if we have no choice, I'll hold your hand. We'll walk in front of it. Like, I'm never going to say it's your problem. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't stare at an Excel sheet and have a panic attack. I'm like, all right, you know, let's fix it. But I think that's one of the reasons why I've been hopefully successful. But the empathy that you cultivate by having to step into different, that's really, really interesting. Uh, and it makes yeah, it's, sense intuitively. I've never been an actor, but it makes sense uh, intuitively. Well, you you get it into different different ways. I'm just comparing how mm. acting, how I how I try to bring the crossover of how it's really not. I mean, of course, acting is a totally different world than than business. But at the same time, there are crossovers. How can I utilize what what acting brings for me and bring it over to the business side? And and how can they kind of conjoin? So. That's how I always try to look at it. And, and I always tell everybody that just because you didn't go to business school, just because you didn't take those classes doesn't make you not, you know, informed on your, your consumer. And that's what everybody's trying to get to is the consumer and get them to buy their products. You're always trying to sell them on something. So, um, you know, people have to value themselves way more than, than they do sometimes. So the question, do you have a business in you that would actually make it worth going all in? What do you mean? Yeah. 
I mean, is there an idea for a business that you said, you know, uh, that would be one thing that would be worth going 100%. You know, like, I'm just curious if somewhere in your brain, we're incubating an idea that you're ramping up to pursue. No, you know, I'm helping my mom a lot right now um, with a business that she's starting. And and so I'm basically kind of doing the whole shebang for her and getting it up and, and running and uh, from the books to the manufacturing and kind of just using some connections that I have from our other companies. But I, I really enjoy having eggs in different baskets. Um, I mean, I like to pretend and go 100% as if all the eggs are in one basket, but but have multiple baskets, um, you know? So I, I really enjoy having the um, the freedom of, of one day being on a set and the next day being in a in a business meeting or, or something like that. So yeah. um, I do too. I can relate to it. I love it. I always wonder sometimes, is that like my ADD run amok? But I actually, I do really enjoy it. Sometimes I wonder, it, will that be that one thing that really makes me go all, I've never quite, I've never experienced it in my life, what it means to fully surrender to the pursuit of a singular goal, you know, right. I die on the field. Like I, I, I'm, I don't have it in me. I don't think there's not an idea that ever seems worth pursuing enough, but then sometimes yeah. I feel one insecure about it. And two, like, why can't I find that one thing? But maybe the one thing is the all things that is the one thing. Like exactly. I'll, never, I'll never find it, unfortunately. So I'm just curious if you had something, a glimmer. That, that's a good way to look at it. Like you said, it's like going all in on all the things, right? right. That, that is your one thing. That's not your one thing, I guess. I, I don't know. I haven't had that one thing moment in my, in my life. Um, where I've said, you know what, push everything to the side. Let me just go all in. But, but again, when I'm, when I'm on a film or when I'm, you know, in a meeting or if I'm working with a business, I, I try to give my hundred percent attention. You know, I try to go and push everything else to the side for that moment or for that period of time. But in general, it's, it's hard for me to say that I, I mean, I'm not counting it out, but definitely not right now. Um, well, if we're doing this interview in uh, five years on some other platform that we TikTok live streaming or something we can't forecast, what uh, what do you think we're talking about? What do you think you're doing at that point? Like, do you think all the five things that you're doing now just amplified, or do you imagine your life goes in a different direction? In in five years? Yeah, I'll just make it easy. Five years is like you can telegraph. Yeah, I think that I think 100. I'm going to be continuing. I think that everything you know shifts and evolves, but you know, I I think that I hope to grow my actual company you know right now it's myself and i have a uh, a part-time employee that helps with my with my business um but i hope to kind of grow that out and and hopefully one day be kind of more of a one-stop shop of um you know from the advising to the consulting to hopefully being able to do branding for companies to um you know helping with operations to kind of a whole 360 view on the on a, on a business and helping them um really grow i don't really have those capabilities yet and and the capital um to do that but i think that's where i hope it grows to um but i still think i'll be doing you know film work i'll be doing businesses and uh, working with businesses and hopefully continue to grow um what i was trying to grow the the event side of you know bringing these um this rookie in the vet concept to life of really I love that. Yeah. So you let me know whatever i need to do i'm all in we'll bring our folks and also an excuse to hang out with you in LA. I have an abstract question I've been thinking about as I talk to you and watch you online. It's a nature versus nurture question. You are so remarkably unassuming, you know, it's just no errors about you, no ego, and you kind of give it away. Is that nature? Is that nurture? You know, was that cultivated? Where did it come from? 
Because every parent, I'm just telling you this why. Any parent out there sitting watching you right now is going to say to themselves, I wish my kid, I hope my kid grows up like this. Especially anyone who has a kid. Look, I had my, you are, I, you had my, my I had my fair share of um, being an idiot per se. You know, <laughs> I'm, it's like I'm, I, everyone grows over time and, and learns about themselves and learns about um, everything in life. You know, I, I'm not saying that I wasn't that um, college student when I was 21 that was boozing it up and partying at a, you know, a fraternity. And, I'm an idiot is different than an asshole, though, and you don't have any of that, so that's... Yeah, I, yeah. well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I tell my mom. Take a bow. Take a bow. You, you came out well. <laughs> she'll, she'll appreciate that. Thank you. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess it's more about just... Um, I don't know. I'm just really, I guess, grateful for, for where I am and in health and kind of the family that I have and just finding ways to... I guess my parents have always really implemented the idea of finding ways to give back and whether that's a hundred percent for charity or finding just ways to utilize where you are in life to, to give a helping hand. And for me, that's kind of with the business. So I, I don't know, I guess that's kind of them um, nurturing that idea into me. Um, I'll leave you with this question. I'm sort of thinking, what do you, uh, cause now I'm, I don't want to pigeonhole, put you in a box. What do you think you want your epitaph to read? Generally, when it's all said and done, what, what, what do you want? What do you want the world to say about Patrick? Well, in a long time from now, I, I want to be, uh, you know, family first. I definitely want to have a, uh, a great wife and, and kids and everything like that. And I want to be, you know, I, I would say that one thing that I've really hope that I get to do is, is spend that that time with family, you know, do a lot of the grinding now and not to say it won't continue, but. Um, so that I can really be present in the moment with them. You know, I think that something that my dad had to do, um, which he totally is open about and speaks about, is he had to really work his ass off. And, you know, going from dirt to where he is now, but a lot of the, a lot of things, you know, had to be sacrificed. And that, uh, that, that video that your dad did, No Plan B, right? That, you yeah. know, what I'm talking about? that is yeah. one of the most extraordinary pieces of content. In the entire internet, like anybody out there right now, we're done. Go Google no plan B, right? Yeah. I don't know it's what it's really, called. Um, it's really great, but that's that that is true. Like there is no plan B, and yeah. for him, he had a lot of you know real real goals that he wanted to accomplish, and that's even when he had us kids and a family. So he had to sacrifice you know time with us to when he wanted to be governor, and and he did his best to do everything he could. You know, flying back and forth to Sacramento one two times in a day just so he could come and make dinner with us or, you know, go back in the morning and drop us off at school. But it's, um, it's something that I hope when I'm, when I'm having a family that I can be fully present and, uh, and spend time with them and uh, just be known for hopefully continuing to help other people in the business world. And then hopefully as my career evolves, I can, I can hope, um, hopefully help in other fields as well. Well, I have no doubt just getting to know you a bit like that you're going to achieve all those and more. I mean, I, I'm fascinated to see what the world has in store for you. The energy you put out is going to come back to you tenfold and you deserve everything you get. So I'm excited to watch you just more people try to discover you. And I guess they'll have to rediscover you every 24 months because you're always moving in a slightly different direction. So well, I guess we'll just have to do this on a cycle. <laughs> you tell me, I'll add it to my calendar for, yeah. for next year and the year yeah. after and the year after. But but I appreciate it, man. I think, thank you so much for those words. Uh, means a lot. You know, I reached out to you because I was a fan of watching you on, on Shark Tank and learning more about your business and your work and I've continued to follow you. And I think what you're doing here is, 
is fantastic and finding ways to utilize your time here at home. Um, it's, it's great. So I'll be rooting for you um, over the course. And I hope that we get right. to actually connect in person when this we're gonna, is all we're gonna do that. done. We're, we're going to do that conference. We're going to keep talking to people. And uh, for now, just to be continued, you know, I really yeah. appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you on Instagram, I guess. Right. We'll do that yeah. next. We'll all right. That. All right. Some take care. Ice cream together. <laughs> oh, that's right. All right, everybody. Thank you. Uh, we'll see you soon. Take care, Patrick. Thank you, man. See you. See you guys.